Hey guys, you are listening to episode 99 of the School of Intuition Soundcast, and I'm Natasha Che. This soundcast is a self-realization training for the empathic badass, and my goal is to help you to walk on this planet with power and grace, and to find your unique ways to elevate the consciousness of the world around you. And today, I want to talk about your highest potential. I know these are some of the words that are so commonly used in the personal development and spiritual circles that sometimes we don't even stop to think about what they actually mean. In this soundcast, I know I personally I use these words a lot, but if you come to think about it. What does it mean exactly? Your highest potential, and what does it mean to attain your highest potential? What exactly are you going after? Right. So, most of the time, I think when we mention these words, we kind of have a general idea, a general feeling about what we are talking about. Now you may sit there thinking, "Yeah, I want to achieve my highest potential." But if I may ask you, what exactly is your highest potential? What are you looking to attain? Can you answer that question easily? I don't think most people could. <laughs> so, in this episode, this is something that I want to talk about because, at least to me. There is a very specific thing that I am talking about when I say your highest potential, and there are some very specific markers, or you can call them goals if you will. Though these are kind of very, very, it's it's not something that you can actively do to achieve, but you can call them goals. There are specific goals that what. what、uh, That refers to what it means by attain your highest potential. Now, first of all, when I say your highest potential, I do not mean what it usually means in a social sense, because usually, when in any social setting, in common, you know, human interactions, when we talk about oh, this person has great potential, what we usually mean. Is in a you know achievement accomplishment sense. In other words, when we say potential, we have the social image, right? That is related to the social roles that we play or the labels we take on about what it means to achieve a potential. When you think of the kid who has a high potential, usually the parents or the teachers are referring to, "Oh, this kid is smart.、Um, he's going to get good grades in schools. He's going to, you know, go to the best schools and then get the best jobs. And he's going to, I don't know, become an Olympian,、um, save the world, become a rocket scientist. Anything that's like a super impressive that very few human beings." Can accomplish. That's what we refer to usually in a social sense. What like high potential means, right? But in a personal development sense, in a personal evolution sense, that is not 
what I'm talking about here. Because, you know, no, no matter how, how, what, how fixed this idea seems to be, that potential is something related to your roles or the labels you take on. Those are not really part of you. You know, you are, I, no matter what profession you're in or what roles you play in life, you are not equal to your job. You're not equal to your relations. You are not equal to what other people call you, right? So usually when we talk about potentials, we kind of refer to these like check boxes that gives the ego validations to confirm that somehow we are living a successful life. But this is something that I want to clarify today because that's not a definition that's actually help that's actually going to help you in your journey of personal evolution. It's like, you know, to use this kind of an odd analogy, okay? If you if you define a potential as a label, okay? Like, okay, this person achieved his potential or her potential if she's a great mom or if he is a great, uh, I don't know, CEO of a corporation, it's the equivalent of this would be if you tell an elephant that if, it's, if it can become an excellent giraffe, then it achieved its potential. Because these are essentially labels. They're things, right? They're categories of things, which, which doesn't make sense. Right? No, no matter how good of a giraffe this elephant can act like or pretends to be, it's, it would be absurd to say this is the elephant's potential. So in the same sense, because you are not the role you take on, to say that you, by attaining those roles, by playing those roles very well, you achieved your potential, is really, does not really make any sense. It's the equivalent of saying, you know, the elephant achieves its potential by being a, the best giraffe. So what does it really mean to achieve your highest potential? And this is, this is not something that anybody needs to get competitive about. There may be only one, you know, um, the best rock musician in the world. Maybe there's only one um, highest paid uh, brain surgeon in the world. But if we, if we define potential as roles and labels, that would be something that we were looking for. We would be looking for, right? But that's not. The way where your highest, highest potential actually is, it has nothing to do with comparing with anybody else. What it has to do with is whether you 
are able to live your path fully. Whether you are able to live the most truthful experiences. What do we mean by truthful experience? I will get to that in a second. Okay, but let let's establish this very simple definition here. So this is the common ground that I want to establish before we get get onto anything else. When I talk about living your potential, I'm talking about li- essentially living your life fully. Though I don't think most people understand actually what it means to live your life fully. And I'm also going to tell you what exactly it means. Okay, but again, these things they seem because. These words they're trying to describe a experience, living your destiny, live your life fully, live truthfully, authentically. These words they're abstract words that people try to use to define and to share and to convey a entirely personal experience. So these words may not be very useful or or very good in actually telling you. What the experience is, right? So, we are going to break it down here of what this actually means. So, what we already established is living your highest potential means living the authentic, truthful human experience, living your life fully. Okay, and the next step, <laughs> I'm going to talk about what these actually mean. All right. So, to me, living your highest potential is to maximize or expand your capacity for actually experiencing your human experiences. Now, you'd be surprised how many of us going through our days. Without actually experience experiences. So when I talk about this capacity for living, capacity for experiencing your experiences, I'm talking about two or three things, but they're all kind of related. I'm talking about first of all your capacity for having direct knowledge. And secondly, I'm talking about your capacity for experiencing the natural state of joy. And thirdly, I'm talking about your capacity for personal freedom. And the second and the third—they all actually depend on the first one: your capacity for direct knowledge. So I know you're. They're, they're sitting there thinking, "Okay, Natasha, you've been throwing at me a bunch of words. I don't know any of those mean." <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, but you know, be impatient with me for a second, and I will explain these one by one. All right. So, the first one, the capacity for direct knowledge. Oh my God, this is such. A fundamental thing. 
when we are talking about living your life fully. So what do I mean by direct knowledge? This is, this means the kind of knowing that is directly channeled from the source. You can use the verb, whatever verb you use, you can channel from the source or downloaded from the source or absorbed from the source in whatever direction you imagine it. Okay, it doesn't matter, but it's the kind of knowing that you directly get from the creative source. There's no intermediate agents between you and the, 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 the source of the knowledge. So let's talk about some extremely simple examples. When you're hungry, what do you do at lunchtime? I feel hungry. And my action is go to the kitchen and see what food is available there. Right? So the knowledge is when I feel hungry, I know I need food. It's very... It's very intuitive. It's very instinctual. Right? Another, another example. If you hold an adorable baby for the first time and you see the baby smiling, a lot of people, they feel they get downloaded this knowledge about love. And they have this feeling that they cannot really describe, but it brings tears to their eyes. It's a knowledge, it's a feeling, experience of love. And can you, can you tell me how that, how that comes about? Where does it come from? Why is it happening? Well, actually, not very important. When you have that experience, you know, you know what you know. Right? When you see a beautiful painting, when you see a beautiful lady, when you see a beautiful sunset, you know beauty. You know you're in the presence of beauty, and we are awed by it. How do you know it's beauty? Do I need to explain to you why it's beautiful? No. But can I describe it to you? Now you're listening to me talking, and I'm looking out of my window. There is this... Uh, giant tree out of my window it's very beautiful it has beautiful leaves and beautiful branches it's just brilliant magnificent but I tell you these words does it do anything to you? No it's something it, because this is my direct knowledge this is the direct knowledge that I downloaded or I channeled triggered by this vision of the tree. It's hard to transfer this interpersonally, right? It's, you, you can do it to some extent. If, you, if you're very skilled and there is a, you know, energetic transmission in everything that we communicate, but still, it's not the same as your own direct knowledge from your own direct experience. This communication, this understanding about what you need as a sentient being, about love, about beauty, about 
what your calling is. Things like that, very hard to translate interpersonally because it is essentially a direct communication between you and the source. And of course, you are essentially the source. It's just that we have this perception of separation, right? But anyway, that is what I mean by direct knowledge. So how do you access direct knowledge? Well, that's what we've been talking about this entire soundcast because this is soundcast is called what? School of intuition, right? Intuition. That is essentially the faculty that you use to access direct knowledge. What is the opposite of direct knowledge? The opposite of direct knowledge is your neurological programming. Oh, we cannot do without programming. If without programming, we are dead. We cannot function much. We cannot accomplish much as human beings. The, you know, superiority that humans feel versus most of the other sentient beings on, on this planet largely come from our, our ability to construct these sophisticated programs and rely on these programs to run our life. But there is a but, there is another side. So we talk about, you know, the neurological programming. In some of the previous episodes, especially episode 60, if you have not listened to it, I encourage you to listen to that one as well. What do I mean by neurological programming? It's the same thing as computer codes, right? You had an experience, could be a very direct experience, and we recorded those in our consciousness as set scripts that later tells us how to act in similar or just seemingly similar situations. And that's a way, it's a very efficient and effective way of living that has helped us accomplish so much in our human life. A very simple example. When you're a baby, you stick your finger in the fire. I gave this example in some previous episodes as well. You stick your finger in the fire and that was a direct experience that produced a pain, right? And after that, you register that pain and you know that in the future, no sticking finger in fire ever again. That become, essentially, that, that, that becomes a rule to live by, right? Even if situations change in the future, even if you encounter the different, a different kind of fire that doesn't really burn you, those do exist, by the way, you still wouldn't dare, most of us, to stick fingers in fire. 
because we are run, we we rely on our existing programming to run our life, and it updates only so often. Another very common example: a lot of us in our formative years, we do not establish, we did not establish secure attachment to our caretakers. A lot of times, not because our parents were evil or had ill intentions. It's just they were humans; they didn't know what they're doing, right? And without the secure, so once that insecure attachment is formed, it's that once once that script, that programming is established, it informs everything you do. Even much later in your life, now some people they feel unsafe in the world in general. They feel like everybody is going to abandon them. They cannot, you know, sustain or form secure relationships with other adults. Right, all sorts of things happen because we had that insecure. We had that programming of insecure attachment. In our infancy, so what happens when a life is lived mostly on programming and with very few direct knowledge? It produces a very common feeling for many people. It's like. It's as if life is on autopilot. That's the feeling, you know. A lot of us have. It's like, okay, is that all there is? You know, when people are wondering, is there all there is to life? That's essentially what's happening. Is life is on autopilot? There's not enough direct knowledge, direct experience, and they feel limited because programming. Is essentially limited and limiting. It's limited because it doesn't update very often, compared to direct knowledge, which always happens in the moment. And it's limiting because it tells you to act in situations in a particular way. So, but. Most of the times, you know, when we have those sensations, when we have those feelings, we know there is something that's not working, but we don't know exactly what. Well, this is what is not enough direct knowledge and too much programming. <laughs> that's when we feel like life is not fulfilled. It's like everything is a struggle. Nothing is interesting. It's the same old, same old every day. Why do I get out of bed every day? Why? There's life has no purpose. That's what happens. That's what life feels like when it's on autopilot of your neurological programming. That's why you know in mindfulness、uh, traditions and. People tell you, okay, okay. If you want to have a more, if you want to have fuller, more fulfilled life, you need to be present. 
what, 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 you, what are you being present to? Direct knowledge. Because when you are more present in the moment, you, can, you tend to capture more direct experience, direct knowledge. It's, it's not automatic, but there is a higher chance that you notice your downloads of direct knowledge. So that's the first component of what I mean when I talk about attaining your highest potential. This is the building block, the foundation of it, is to live your life. Not entirely at this stage of human evolution. It's not really, you know, it's, it's rarely that practical, I would say, for most people. But at least more and more, run your life through direct knowledge. That's the building block of everything else. And the second aspect of it, of what it means by your highest potential, is the capacity to access a natural state of joy. When we say the natural state of joy, what I actually mean is the natural state. This is the natural state when you're not misguided by outdated programming or misguided by certain information or knowledge that's actually not true. That's actually not your personal truth. So when your life is very, when you live your life very aligned with what your essential truth is and you access truth by direct knowledge, then the natural state of being is a state of joy. When you are able to run your life mostly through direct knowledge, what happens is because direct knowledge, by definition, directly comes from the source. It changes from moment to moment, there is no like set script written somewhere, you know, even intangibly in your neural system. It's being accessed moment to moment. It's ever creative and generative. So when you live through your day, when you live your day through direct knowledge, it's always a fresh experience. Every day is a new day. It seems like a new day of discovery. Most of these discoveries are really on a micro level from moment to moment as you access this reality. It's not because the, the events that happen are new. There's nothing new under the sun. We all know that, right? It's not because the trigger of your experiences are new, but because the response is new, is fresh. So when you respond to events and incidences and experiences and stimuli in your life 
from the position of direct knowledge, your response can 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 only be new because there was nothing. It was there was no rule, no script, no code that it abides by. It directly comes from a creative source that creates, by definition, every moment. So you have your you have a fresh experience, not because the things happening in your life are new, but because your responses are new. So, I think you can see already how much more exciting. This mode of living is right compared to how most of us live in the day to day, in most most of the time. And the third aspect of what I mean by your by attaining your highest potential is to expand your capacity for personal freedom. Now we can talk about for days on end whether there is a free will or there is not a free will. To me, there is no free will. I don't think there is a thing called free will, but that's for another day. <laughs> but we do have the perception that we are making choices every day, right? So, but the thing is. When you are responding to situations from a programmed perspective, if we if you are responding to situations according to your neurological programming that was set maybe twenty years ago, what what we end up feeling is we feel like we are somehow puppets on a string. You have this perception of choices, but you actually do not make those choices because your programming already made it for you. It's very predictable. You are a product of the past. That's what most of us are, and that's what most of us feel like on most days. It's very predictable, right? So there is this. Dilemma, the seeming dilemma that I'm making choices, but it seems like everything is so doomed. Like there is this sense of you know it's it's what. It's why most people live in a quiet desperation because there is this sense that I'm striving, I'm changing things, I'm making choices, but essentially I'm just rearranging things. In the same room, and at the end of the day, nothing changes because all my choices come from the same programming. That's where desperation comes from. So, in that sense, there is no sense of freedom, even though you don't live in a prison. You can walk out the door, hopefully. Then harder these days. You know, when a lot of times when people become interested in a spiritual journey, they say, "I want to be free." Well, free from what? 
They tell you, "I don't know, but I know I'm not free. I want to be free." So that's their intuition. A part of the direct knowledge is telling them, "Okay, things are getting too programmed here." That's essentially what it is. On the other hand, if your response to situations or the So-called choices that you make are aligned with the direct knowledge that you download, you create, you generate. Again, I, I'm not sure which which is the right verb here, but if that is the way that you run your life. It generates a sense of freedom because essentially you feel like you are the one that creates. Because essentially that is that that's what it is. You are one with the creator when you have direct access to the creator. It's every response is creation in action. So the difference in how you feel is night and day. The difference is like you are following the orders, the orders of your programming, versus you are creating the order to follow. That's where the latter is where a sense of personal freedom comes from. Now you know, a lot of times when we were young, you know, the adults were being encouraged, try to be encouraging, right? So they would tell you, "Okay, kid, you can be anything in the future. You can do anything you want. Everything is possible." But when we become adults, we start to think, "Okay, those are lies, liars." Are they truth or lies? Well, they can be either. Depends on how you run your life. When we talk about something is possible or something is impossible, this kind of dichotomy only makes sense if you are living mostly according to your programming. It does. It no longer makes sense when you are the creator, right? Because when you say something is possible or impossible, you are referencing the past. You're like looking through the lodge of events, of your event book, or your access to past events, to see if something has happened before. If it has happened before, it's possible. If it's not happened before, it's not possible. That's how we derive at the judgment of possible versus impossible. In other words, it's backward looking. It's according to the program that's set in the past. But this dichotomy no longer makes sense when you are the one who are pulling the string of the puppet. When you are the one that actually creates the knowledge of what to do at that particular moment, to the creator that creates everything, there is this. The the word possible versus impossible doesn't really make any sense, right?
So there's that. <laughs> when, you, when you start, run your life, when you run your life from the space of direct knowledge, you find that a lot of things does not seem, many things don't seem that impossible anymore, even though they're impossible to other people. And there is a sense of wonder, there is a sense of discovery in a lot of things you do. And that's what I mean by attaining your highest potential. So again, we talk about in the beginning, this is something very confusing to a lot of us because we have different definitions. We have our own ideas of what highest potential means. And the society has its own idea of what high potential means. But in terms of your growth as a human being, in terms of your path of human evolution, there are some specific things that this high potential thing is referring to, which are the things that we just talked about. Now, finally, I want to mention something about the intellect. What's the role of the human intellect in accessing your direct knowledge, in developing your capacity for personal freedom and state of joy? This is kind of complicated matter because if you think about it, the intellect in itself, it's kind of, it's, it's just a tool, okay? In itself, it doesn't really point, you, it doesn't really bias you to one way or another. What do I mean by this? Or to put it another way, the intellect or use more <laughs> common sense language, how smart you are. <laughs> it's kind of a double-edged sword. Why do I say that? On one hand, if your intellectual capacity is very high, if you're really, really smart, that means it gives you more, your neural system has a, has better processing power to process direct knowledge. Because as we talked about in some of the previous episodes, the we, we evolved to rely so much on neurological programming is because it's efficient, efficient use of resources. You don't have to come up with fresh response in every situation, every turn of the corner. It's exhausting. And we just don't have that much resources to, you know, a lot of times to that much processing power to process all those situations in fresh, new, and creative ways. That's why we rely on programming. It's a life-saving tool. And it's, you know, it's an evolutionary device that help us to get to where we are today as a species. So, 
So, but if you're, if you have a, you know, greater intellectual capacity, that means you ha- you can afford to give direct responses to situations more compared to otherwise, right? So you don't have to rely on that, you know, if that efficiency or the energy saving as much. However, on the other hand, which is probably a more important aspect of modern life that applies to modern life, is that when we, when the intellect is very developed, you tend to rely on it more. We, we rely on the faculty that we feel we are good at, right? So if you, if you are very, very smart, you tend to rely on your intellect to solve everything for you. So what happens is like, we tend to use the intellect as a substitute for direct knowledge. There's knowledge you can get from books. You use your intellectual faculty to comprehend what, like those knowledge that passed down to you from other people. But they're not direct knowledge. But they are useful, right? So if you, so when, when, when you're really smart, you tend to rely on that more often. And for more complicated reasons, it actually makes your programming's impact stronger. I think that's you know one of the reasons why in modern societies we see a lot more depression, we see a lot more questioning of the purpose of life, of the sense of you know belonging, of the sense of existence. Ex- so we have essentially a lot more existential crises in modern time. And I personally feel that over-reliance on intellect contributes at least a part to it, part to this situation. But anyway, this is something that I just, this is something I want to bring to your attention. And to conclude, This is something that I encourage you to do is after you finish this episode, as you go through your daily life, maybe ask yourself, okay, as you are experiencing life, is this direct knowledge, what I'm getting right now, is this direct knowledge or is this programmed knowledge? Just ask yourself that when you are giving a response to a situation, ask yourself, if this com- does this come from direct knowledge or does this come from programmed knowledge or programmed conditioned response? And I think you have a lot of fun there. <laughs> probably tell you something that you have not noticed about yourself and but most important of all if you notice your programmed responses more it helps you to more consciously access 
direct knowledge. And as we talked about in some of the episodes before, when you rely on the faculty more, you become better at it. And it becomes easier for you to access direct knowledge using your intuition when you use it more often and when you pay it more attention. Okay? That's all for today. I will talk to you next time.